Hi, you're listening to the DMBA podcast, where we share business confidence for designers. My name is Alan. I'm a business designer and founder of the DMBA program. Today, we're hosting Andrew Whelan, a business design director at the Ford Motor Company in um, a special function or a special part of the company called DeFord. And I'll let Andrew explain what it, uh, that is in just a minute. So we'll talk about the practice of business design, which is pretty common in design agencies, actually, but not so much in product companies. So um, Andrew will help us shed, us shed some light on this use case uh, in that particular situation. But before we dive in, I'd just like to invite all of you to join our seven-day mini MBA, which is a free email course where over seven days you receive seven emails and learn business concepts relevant for designers. So to subscribe to the mini MBA, head over to d.mba slash mini minus mba and now let's dive in uh welcome andrew thank you hey Alan. how's it going great great and you yeah yeah really good thank you so much for giving me the chance to chat looking forward yeah <laughs> we had a little bit of gymnastics right now for setting up the the audio and everything but it should be working well um but as I said before in the intro, um, can you tell us a little bit about the D Ford? You know, what is that? What does D stand for? And um, what do you do? Yeah, great. Sure. Happy to. So uh, I guess a simple way to describe D Ford is that we're essentially kind of the innovation and design agency within Ford. It's a global organization and which has uh, multiple labs spread across the world. We've got them in Palo Alto, Detroit, London, and Shanghai. And our London lab also has cohorts that are in Shang uh, that are in Melbourne and Sao Paulo too. And really, we are the the heart and the soul, and we try to be the uh, the the core of design and innovation and design thinking really all throughout Ford globally. Hmm. Yeah, so and. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. go ahead. And you, since you asked uh, about what the D stands for, uh, I guess that's a, that's a tricky one and that it's meant to be kind of intentionally wide open and that it's, you know, it's design, but it's also diversity. It's also disruption. Um, it can be kind of anything that we want it to be that, uh, that brings us uh, better design. Nice, nice. So how did Deep Ford actually um, came to be? You know, what's the story behind it? Yeah, so a really kind of quick summary of it. And I've been with DeFord for a little under a year. DeFord itself has been around for a little over two. Um, but it, I could think you could say it started with our previous CEO, uh, Jim Hackett, who was a big fan and supporter of design thinking, um, used it in multiple businesses. And uh, as he kind of, you know, uh, took the company in a new direction in the past uh few, five years or so, um, saw a real opportunity to try something different. And whereas a lot of companies that I've either worked for or with before, I've tried to just set up a, a studio or a lab or something like that. What Jim actually set up was a bit different. He created these five beacon projects, um, which were meant to be human-centered design projects with very wide open opportunity spaces um, and set them up on kind of five of the biggest problem challenges that we can embrace and really let people have uh, a free approach to, to solving those and defining new opportunities. 
And the most of those experiments went so well that it became something that wasn't just a project, but it kind of became a new way of working spread across the board. And there was so much pull for it that the rest of the organization wanted more of that thinking and more of that way of working that it found a need to, to take some roots and became the labs that we have now today. Nice, nice. And how big is the Ford? How many uh, colleagues do you have? Ooh, it's growing every day, literally. Um, but I think it'd be safe to say uh, probably at least 300 across the globe about now. Wow. Okay. Um, growing, though, yeah, it's probably 200 when I started. Might be 300 now. Could be 400 in a, in a few months. It's uh, We're going through a really exciting period of growth right now. It's a very sizable agency, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and what's the relationship between the, let's say, the mother ship, so the Ford and the the default, you know, how do you get the briefs? How do you get to the projects? How does that work? Yeah, that's a great question. One that I asked on just about my first day. Um, <laughs> so it happens in a few different ways. Um, not too dissimilar to like, say, an agency where, you know, we're Deford is known as kind of the hub in the center of, of design thinking and kind of innovative methods. Um, so some of the work, but not all of it comes from very high up the top levels of the company. And it's usually when there's a, uh, a problem or a challenge or a new opportunity that they want to you know, tackle in a fresh new way. Um, so we get some of the biggest kind of new vehicle projects, some of the biggest opportunities for, you know, how could this become a service? Um, some projects that are about digital disruption and just entirely new approaches. Um, so those kind of come from from, as you might guess, around the, around the top levels of the organization. Um, but we also do have an opportunity. I'd say maybe 20% of our work at least is just kind of self-generated based on things that we think mm -hmm. are really interesting and exciting. And, you know, one example of something we're just doing right now is we're, uh, we're actually applying a couple of business designers and researchers are tackling um, uh, radical experiments in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, so we're trying to take a design and business design-led approach to that too. How can we create a more uh, inclusive and equitable environment for, for our colleagues and, uh, and other parts of Ford? Mm, that sounds great, yeah. So can you tell us more about this project or is it still in the making? <laughs> Yeah, it's in a very, it's in week one. Uh, okay. So I won't be able to say too much, but it is, right. it is super exciting that basically we spotted an opportunity to see, can we try something really radical and can we try really rapid experiments or recipes mm -hmm. as we're calling them to explore uh, new ways to, to create kind of almost viral inclusion. Um, so one of my teammates, Jake, is uh, doing that right now and he's got some incredibly exciting, fun, ambitious ideas, and they're just nice. going to be spinning through them in a rapid sprint. So experimenting, exploring all along the way. Nice, nice. And and so once you have a brief or an idea for a project, how do you put it together a team? You know, who is working actually on these uh, challenges? Yeah, that's, um, it's really worth saying, really important to say that almost just about everything we do is is very interdisciplinary there's there's no time where a you know business designer is just doing a business design project it's really it takes everyone um, and so kind of, kind of scoping a project let's say we get we get a brief in we get a, a clear kind of opportunity um, yeah we I myself 
directors of the different craft areas that we have, the different kind of specialisms look at it. Uh, we and people throughout D4 just kind of take a look at it and examine, unpack the problem as you often do, ask if we've got the, the correct how might we question or the correct challenge there. Um, and then, you know, philosophize a little bit of an approach and then simply put together the best members that we can think of for each team. And it ranges everything from the areas you might expect of normally research, um, service design, business design, um, uh, prototyping, but where I think it's quite interesting in D Ford that's new somewhat to me is having actual physical prototypers and um, product designers who are making physical products to rapidly prototype and iterate with with real customers um so yeah we, we basically just try to find the right people and the the best way to solve a really interesting problem together and so one thing we should probably stress so this when we talk about designers and design thinking that doesn't mean that uh, these designers are working on the design of cars it's usually everything else than that i'm assuming right yeah, yeah, that's true. We actually, so as you probably guessed, the auto manufacturer, there's been designed for quite a while, designing the vehicles. We kind of call them design design. <laughs> but, <laughs> design squared. Um, yeah, design cubed even. Yeah, they, they make the real 3D designs um, oh, and we nice. love them. Um, but yeah, we are, uh, yeah, all the other crafts that you might imagine. Also, uh, communications design is also really important integral part of our team too to to make sure that we're taking complex subjects and making them really easy to understand and talk about with both customers and our stakeholders too mm. so as a business design director right your role is to also um, scope the projects in a way that uh, you have the business design lens in uh, on projects and I remember from my time in an agency that that was, that was kind of a battle, you know, like you had these, let's call them more traditional designers who didn't understand what business design is and sometimes also didn't want to understand what it is. So I'm just like curious, how does that work? It is, do you have any internal struggles as a business design uh, director to, to argue for business design, to explain what it is, to get business designers on projects? How does that work? Yeah, uh, I would say struggle or problem, but it's, it's definitely, it's always a challenge. Uh, yeah, as, as you know, and anyone who's kind of done a bit of business design that, you know, we need to, we need to be educating everyone about what we can do. And, and I think as we know, as most people listening, we know that business design is a fairly new um, and kind of emerging craft. So yeah, so we just we need to do a really good job and be really clear about what the, what the value is that business design brings to any project. Um, yeah, and I'd say, you know, both in Ford, D Ford and other companies I've worked at, there's a tendency to think of business design as maybe just the numbers or just the viability. Mm -hmm. But as we know, it's so much more than that. So, um, so yeah, so sometimes it's a, it's a matter of, you know, you might see a phase of research scoped at the beginning and uh, with business design coming later, but it's really just about informing people how, you know, if a business designer is there, right from the start of writing the discussion guides and, and even framing the questions, you know, we can discover some really interesting things about how customers, how people even think about value um, at the earliest stages. So it's, we, I do definitely try to advocate that business design gets involved right from the very beginning um, mm. and that we do as much of our work collaboratively as possible, that it's not kind of, we're not people over on the side 
with a spreadsheet while everyone else is making beautiful prototypes. We we want to be right there in the discussion and shaping those prototypes as well too. So um, and that's that does go down really well and has delivered some really good results. Isn't it funny that um, like designers and design community is doing to business design what business people are doing to designers? Like, you know, business people are actually calling designers in the end, like, hey, can you just beautify this and make it yeah. beautiful? And like designers are like, hey, can you just come up with some numbers so we have <laughs> something in the end to explain it? And I, I love what you're saying about, yeah, we have to bring the business design also early in the project. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It has to be, has to be early. It has to be often. And, and really the, the best results I ever see is, yeah, it's just when it's part of the daily conversation. Um, mm. and, and especially when we get, get our colleagues in other disciplines. I, I feel really proud of the way our team has been able to educate the, the team and show them the value of things like a, a business model canvas or a value, just having a clear value proposition. Um, mm. I think it's a step that can so often get passed over or just not thought about in a lot of depth, but that's something I think we take, we can take a lot of pride in. And I've now seen it in the very short amount of time I've been here, but a, a, a really, positive transformation of people across all crafts asking about what's the what's the value proposition behind this prototype um so it's it's interesting it's gets hopefully we're uh, we're infecting the rest of the world and thinking about business design as crucial in design mm-hmm, nice do you have any maybe a project or an example of a previous project that we could uh, dissect kind of see uh what what you are working on at d ford but also specifically what business designers within the D4 are working on. Like, so how, but, and it doesn't have to be just business designers, like in general, how can we bring the business lens to the design projects? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's so many things to talk about. And of course I won't be able to give super depth, but here, let me, let me try um, with some how might we's that we could unpack together or some scenarios. Um, so I guess, let me start with a really big picture kind of prompt and challenge that, that we face that, everyone faces, but I think it's really interesting in the auto industry um, is that we're at a a crux right now, a real convergence of changes across the world that, um, you know, the types of things that we're seeing right now would often happen once in a hundred years. And we've got three transformations all kind of mentioned to set this up that are converging all right now. So there's the transformation, the transition from from traditional combustion engines to electric engines. and it's not just the engines, of course, it's everything else that an electric vehicle can provide. It becomes so much more. Um, so there's a whole suite of new things that vehicles can all of a sudden do. And they can become part of you know, the power grid. They can become part of um, so much more. So that's one massive shift. Uh, there's shift coming that we probably all think about and we call it driver assistance tech, but you might think of autonomous vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's, that's definitely coming. It's it's on the road, and we're working on it, planning on it already, and and actually delivering it in some places. Um, and so that's going to change the way everyone uses a vehicle, and that has implications on things like ownership. Do you need to own a vehicle if it's going to be you know driving itself? And what else could it be doing mm-hmm. during its days? 
And then there's the third shift, third major shift going on right now is, um, you know, as we see it as consumers and in business to business that everything that we thought of as a product is now being kind of reframed as a service. And there's lots of reasons that these business designers can probably think about in lots of different ways, but services offer a lot more flexibility and um, a lot of advantages to people. So the convergence of that uh, shift to EVs, the AVs on the horizon and move to service, service business models provides us a huge area of disruption, but also a huge amount of opportunity. So setting all that up, kind of one project, which I won't be able to say too much about, but you know, what, what should we be doing? What, how should we be approaching all that convergence and all that disruption at the same time as a traditional automaker or as an mm -hmm. automaker that's been successful for 118 years, you know, selling vehicles to customers at one point and, you know, you hope they use them for 10 or so years and come back to you after that. But there could be so much more. There is so much more on the horizon. So we're really thinking about it. And I'd say it's really especially interesting in the B2B space with commercial customers um, and where business design has a huge role to play is kind of is is thinking across that whole spectrum that I was saying earlier about like going from just the research from getting immersed and finding customers who we know. A really cool thing we can do is we've got a huge suite of customers that we have long-term relationships with. So we can go out to those fleet managers and, and drivers themselves and ask them loads of questions and understand, you know, what are their pain points? What are the gains that they're looking to, to create um, and find some opportunities. So business design, hand in hand with kind of our great design researchers, uncovering those needs, um, mapping out what those business models could be, and then working with service designers, of course, to kind of map out what would that journey look like if we mm -hmm. completely reframed how a business used a vehicle. Um, and then of course, working with our interaction and product designers to, to create, you know, what could a prototype look like and put it right back in front of those real customers, those real business users to say, you know, would you use it like this? What would that feel like? Or, you know, ask, you know, ask those very big open-ended questions and explore what comes out. So um, it, it's all along that spectrum. I won't, I won't lie. There are some financial models buried underneath that, <laughs> of course, <laughs> checking if this is viable, you know, at what number of uh, vehicles, at what price point would this work? Um, what are the other things that we can be monetizing or, or finding value in besides just the vehicle? You know, there's obviously yeah. there's data, there's lots there. So um, hopefully that's a, a, a general overview of kind of where a huge problem becomes something that business designers and mm. all of our awesome design colleagues can, can tackle in really interesting ways. Mm. So you were just talking about spreadsheets. Uh, I, I love to say that spreadsheets are my favorite design tool, or actually yeah. math is my favorite design tool. Spreadsheets are just a way to get there. Uh, so I'm just like always curious when I talk to business designers, like what is your favorite tool? Like what is a framework that you often use or uh, a concept that you often go back to when you're thinking about uh, a certain challenge? Ooh, yeah. Okay, great. So like maybe me personally then. Um, yeah, yeah, you. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there's so many. Um, I guess 
if I'll, I'll give you a, a broad answer and then maybe a specific one that you're looking for, but uh, I'd say empathy is is probably the best tool. But that might be that might be too easy. But uh, of course, there's <laughs> none of the other tools apply if we don't understand what our users really want and need. So mm-hmm. two two ears and a sense of empathy is where I'd start. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of just the good old business model canvas um, to mm-hmm. really take, especially, you know, it's not for every problem, but when you've got a really big uh, sprawling opportunity, a new business, a new venture, for example, that requires you to think about all aspects of it, not just when it requires you to think about desirability, viability, feasibility, and are those things actually linking to each other in a in a holistic way? I do love that. Um, mm. And just just to get also to get stakeholders on the same page about kind of a new venture, a new opportunity here, and saying, you know, does this make sense? Yeah. Uh, or if there's gaps, you know, maybe we need to address that uh, square right there and figure out do we have mm. the right suppliers, for example. Mm. Yeah. And the one last one I'd say is uh, a tool that I think we, I haven't seen a great tool for this. So I'd love to know if you've got one, but a tool I often end up creating myself is uh, just various forms of prioritization. Um, So there's so many different ways to do it, but uh, I love a good uh, two by two bubble charts. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing beats a two by two. I was just going to say, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but using that using that in a way that uh, communicates to all the right stakeholders and uh, mm. just bringing the whole richness of choices you need to make, you know, when prioritizing a lot of ideas down to mm. something that a lot of people can understand and get behind, I think is that's a uh, that's a, a special special place in my heart. <laughs> you touched upon stakeholders a couple of times, and I guess that's uh, especially for you a really important topic because once you do find certain solutions you also get need to get a buy-in from uh, let's say internal investors in a way right so what is the process that you at d4 to take to make sure that these stakeholders are you know that they that you have a buy-in after the project is done and that then these ideas actually get executed yeah so okay so the tools or methods that we use for that um it, it starts with just kind of good scoping and good alignment right from the outset, as we kind of all know, making sure that we set the right expectations, that we know what our stakeholders are looking for and why. Um, I think I'm just a huge advocate of trying to make sure that, you know, call it a tool or not, but that there are members of the stakeholder teams on the team immersed and involved in the work every day so that it's not kind of one area asking a question and coming back a few months later or at a midpoint check-in. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's a matter of that they're on the journey with you. So I really try to say, to try to get members of that team, whether it's a, a technology team or a finance team to be there with you, at least mm-hmm. kind of in, in frequent checkups, if not every day. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's really about having constant conversations with those kind of senior stakeholders. Um, There are times we've got, we're really fortunate to have some extremely senior stakeholders, you know, very, very top of the top of the tree uh, people who are really interested in our work. And that's, um, it's a real blessing because we get to tackle the biggest problems, but it's always, I think, as everyone kind of knows, it's sometimes hard to get time with those very, very busy, important people. Um, so I would give, I give a shout out to our, uh, our director, Usha, who is just 
built the most incredible kind of network of relationships and uh, having someone who can call up those uh, top people on speed dial and get 30 minutes of them whenever we need it to, to check, are we on the right track? Is this going the right path? So yeah, I guess in summary, it really comes down to communication much more than any sort of set of tools that I could say. Mm. Yeah, I'd love to just dig deeper a little bit here, which is like, I think in, in, in theory, we, and, uh, and also in practice, we kind of know that we have to do that. We have to communicate with quote unquote clients, um, but how do you actually get them to care enough to take the time? Because these are extremely busy people, right? So do you do very short calls with them irregularly or do you have a longer check-in, uh, but then less seldomly? Or, you know, is there any, a, any trick about the frequency and the length of these check-ins that you could share? Yeah, um, I guess I could just share some things that work and that I, I think uh, going more than weekly with a stakeholder who needs to know and needs to be on the journey there with you is, um, well, I think it should be about weekly is about the right amount of time because a lot can happen in a week um, mm. and things can start to, to pivot or deviate, say fortnightly, probably at the, the, the most infrequent. And um, yeah. And, you know, when it comes to those, the very, very senior execs, you might not necessarily need to know what's going, what you're actually designing, but they want the answer at the end, I would say at least monthly. Um, I find, you know, contrasting lots of different organizations that I've, I've worked for in my, in my years. Um, the ones that have the kind of more regular and more uh, established sort of governance, if you want to call it that, or just more easily uh, set up check-ins are the ones that often kind of have the smoothest paths I found. Um, mm. So yeah, I just say, try to make it short, short and frequent is probably better than long deep dives over long term. Mm. Um, one, though, maybe one quite quick, quick contrast I might give or another way of doing it that I've just find works well as um, a lot of designers from multiple crafts might know this, um, but I don't know if business designers understand the value of a gallery walk um, as kind of a term where you put all the work on the walls in the place where the team is working. And this is much harder now in uh, yeah. COVID times, <laughs> but as much as you can do that and whether it's a Figma, Miro or Miro. Copy paste your stuff, yeah, to the Miro. Yeah. <laughs> Create a virtual wall, um, but just trying to make it as immersive as possible and creating those. The other nice thing about those tools though, those virtual whiteboard tools is that, you know, if you can set it up in a way where there is an opportunity for a stakeholder to, you know, walk by it virtually even on their own time or in a classic sense, put it on the wall so that everyone is passing by your work whether it's in a meeting room or a hallway, as we've done it before, um, just getting it there so that it's accessible in informal times too, I find is is really valuable. Mm. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you earlier was um, also who uh, are business designers actually also project leads on these projects at D Ford? Is that usually the role that you take? Um, we share, I'd say, in DForge, really anyone can be a, a project lead or a mm. design lead, as we call them. And 
business design does, you know, I think it's important when, when a project, maybe like the one I talked about with before, which is all about a business model shift, you know, that's really good to have a business designer mm. leading, but it doesn't have to be that way on all of them. Um, we, we share the, <laughs> we share the, uh, the, the crown of being a project lead with all of our other colleagues. <laughs> mm -hmm. One thing I also love to ask people is how did they get into business design? So I'd love to hear your story. You know, how did you get into this discipline, but also how did you get to work at the DFORD? Yeah, sure. So I'll do a really quick overview. Um, I essentially started, started my career in Los Angeles, California, where I'm from. I, after uni, I didn't really have a set plan, but I started working at a startup. Um, it was okay. It didn't last very long. It got disrupted, went to a more stable sort of bank uh, and online bank. That was great. Learned a lot about corporations and kind of how they work there and started to lead teams. Um, but again, wanted to do something more disruptive. So then dabbled in creating my own kind of startup and organization with a bunch of uh, friends. It scaled. It did some really interesting things as a social enterprise. Um, but I realized I needed to get uh, a kind of a more solid set of skills under my belt. And so like a lot of my friends at that time thought, you know, an MBA is probably the best way I can think to, <laughs> to go from a, uh, a, a specialist who knows they want to be a generalist and then maybe back. So did an MBA, came to London for both um, kind of adventure and personal and just exploratory reasons. Um, so did my MBA here, worked at a tech accelerator that was part of our university right after and started to really kind of embrace the value of applying that MBA to early stage innovation and commercialization, which I'd probably say that's a, the first start of what it was starting to really feel like business design, um, you know, take a piece of uh, mathematical code or a technology and how do we turn that into a business? Um, so I think that's quite exciting. There's some fun stuff you can do there and accelerators, incubators at early stage. Um, but wanted to learn a bit more. So I went to Accenture Interactive and I was just listening to one of your earlier podcasts and I got to work with John Oswald, uh, mm. who is kind of one of my, um, yeah, probably the first person I ever actually heard talk about business design. Yeah, so he's, he's a pioneer in this space. Absolutely. Yeah. He really inspired me. I think I met him on my first day in the company and just thought, wow, this guy's, this guy's doing something really cool. So uh, John was a good inspiration for me and in following that path. And I started doing a lot of strategy, but I gravitated more and more towards the design side and just mm -hmm. being able to talk. I think probably for a lot of people, if you find yourselves in, in a place where you've got some stakeholders who are strategy and finance and some people who are designers of, of all makes. And if you find yourself being able to bridge that gap or mm. create, create the kind of uh, translation between those two things, there's a good chance there you might be a business designer. <laughs> <laughs> and found myself doing that a lot, um, really loved it. Uh, went to then after a few years there doing some really cool innovative stuff at Accenture and Fjord, um, went to EY Sarin where we had a business design practice, um, deepened my skills in kind of ethnography and deep human-centered research there um, and helped to kind of shape what business design was there. We've got a huge, great practice there. Um, but yeah, then for me, like like a lot of people, just kind of had the itch and an inkling to um, really go in-house at a place where I can make a huge impact over a long term. And 
saw a lot of things. There's a lot of demand for business design out there, even if it's not called that. But um, D Ford had the the clearest kind of ask and the biggest opportunity. And as I mentioned, with those huge seismic shifts in EVs, AVs, um, business models and everything. Yeah, it just felt like, wow, there's so much I can sink my teeth into here. And um, yeah, it's it's been <laughs> it's been nonstop and a lot of really big business design opportunities uh, for for a while and many more to come, I think. You mentioned that uh, some companies don't call it business design, but something else. So what other um, keywords have you heard being used for the same type of work? Mm, yeah, um, I, I hear strategic design. Um, mm. I know I was just talking to a colleague who, uh, yeah, knew some people who were strategic designers. Um, yeah. seen, it, seen it called um, slightly, it can be a bit different, but experience design. Um, we have we have a, a, a counterpart to business design within D4, which is called uh, design strategy. And they are our very close partners um, and to just slightly differentiate, you know, kind of what a, a design strategist or strategic designer might do. And at least in D Ford is they really focus on the kind of communication outside to the rest of Ford and managing that kind of portfolio of making sure that the design work we do is focused on the, the biggest and most important problems and and. Uh, tackling the right ones at the right time, where as a slight contrast, uh, we business designers are really hands-on on the problems, doing the doing, right. interviewing the customers. Um, so I'd say we are we are really where the design meets the business. Mm. I know we're running out of time, so I have one last question, which I think really nicely ties into what we just discussed. So when I when I talk to a lot of guests, you get this feeling that you need to have an MBA to be a business designer. And it is true. Like most people do have one, or at least they went to business school or maybe started their own company. But I just wanted to ask you like now when you're in the position to hire business designers, but also when you look across the aisle at your colleagues, like what are the commonalities that you see uh, among the business designers? And the framing of this question is maybe some of the listening, listening is asking, oh, maybe should I pivot my um my, my my career into business design and what what does it take does it even make sense if i don't have an mba hmm. yes so i would say right off the bat no you do not need an mba to be a business designer um it's a nice foundation it kind of helps with the translation uh aspect across lots of stakeholders but um i'd say the fundamental skill of business design is is having that core of empathy in human-centered design um, and knowing how to use that and, and maybe taking a slightly different lens than other people might be and really thinking about how to bring that, how, how to find the value in that, how to capture the value of really good human-centered design. So I, I, was, I was testing out a new uh, a definition of business design today and I'll, I'll try it out here now too. But I'd say it's that it's the, the exploration and the explanation of the value in design and that could be all different kinds of value um, and usually tease up that. But if you are interested in figuring out where, where the value lies, both in making people's lives better, um, making money, but also finding just new business opportunities or ways to help a startup or a big company grow, those are all, those are all things that are business design. And in terms of commonalities or other places, the things that we have in common, 
I think a real hunger and passion for innovation um, is, is also a core set and a core skill there, a commonality that everyone I know who does business design and, and really enjoys it is fascinated by that, those early stage ideas and how can we mm-hmm. convert something that's new, whether it's in a, a new trend that's changing human needs or it's a new technology that's emerging and starting to finally become feasible and scalable and thinking about seeing those things as real opportunities to to put something together to create something new i think that's that's the core of a business designer i'd say to mm-hmm. me um so yeah so we've got are interviewing lots of people right now and some of them come from fashion companies some come from audio and product companies uh, there are definitely a lot of designers and consultants uh, who kind of merge uh, bridge those connections too um, but yeah we have people from all industries, but I say they're all interested in, in innovation and creation um, as kind of this, the thing that gets us all out of bed in the morning. That's going to make for a great plug because I get frequently questions, uh, hey, where can I find business design positions? So uh, where do you have your vacancies? Where can people actually apply if they're interested in this <laughs> sort of position? Yeah, great. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, we're um, often posting roles on um, on LinkedIn, as you might expect, um, and some other sites there. Um, I guess I'll say it. anyone can reach out to me on LinkedIn, um, Andrew Whalen, and please feel free to find me there. Um, and yeah, we're we're advertising there. You might see us on other social media, although we really need to expand that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'd say reach out to to me and to any other business designers. And it, I, I think, you know, as a community, as kind of an informal community, speaking to just any other business designers, and when you see that uh, as a, a, a job title or something they've done in the past, um, I think we're all kind of in the same, we're on the same journey wherever we might be. And so reaching out to them too is a, is a great way to learn and explore more. And actually, of course, got to give you a plug right back. The <laughs> DMBA <laughs> is is honestly the best place I've found on the internet to, to bring it all together as kind of what does this actually mean to design for businesses as well as humans. So plug right back at you, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'll make sure uh, to also uh, include your link to your LinkedIn on the, um, you know, on the blog post uh, connected to this podcast. So you can also find it there and just uh, reach out to Andrew through that. But yeah, Thanks a lot, Andrew, for taking the time. That was a pleasure, a real pleasure. Yeah, it was a real pleasure for me too. Thank you so much, Alan. It's great to great to chat with you and hope it helps some, uh, some people out there who are interested in business design. Definitely. I think I've recovered some good ground today. Right. So that's everything in today's episode. If you found it interesting and want to learn more about business and business design, as we discussed today with Andrew, we invite you again to join the free seven-day mini-MBA. Uh, again, it's an email course where over seven days you learn about seven concepts that are relevant for designers. So to subscribe to Mini MBA, head over to d.mba slash mini minus MBA. Thanks again and talk to you all soon. Bye-bye.